about your journey in music because it is in some ways it's quite unique because you've come through quite different channels but then also there's a lot of young artists or young people in New Zealand who've gone through similar experiences to you mm -hmm. and by that I'm talking about I guess the x-factor journey you know reality television of that nature didn't quite hit New Zealand I think until a few years after the whole pop idol x-factor frenzy in the states and the uk i think it might have been 2014 and i was 15 that was the trend at the time was x-factor and if you if you had a guitar and you could sing do it you know obviously you're from christchurch and i yeah. noticed that a lot of the entrants were from christchurch in the mm -hmm. south island my age group at the time for music was actually really big in Christchurch. Right. So everyone knew everyone. Like there were more like more competitions that we would do, like talent shows and things like that. Yeah. This whole scene, we just grew up and we yeah. were all eleven when we started. You know. So you had this crazy bunch of kids all yeah. making music. Yeah. At the same time, mm -hmm. was that pre-earthquake? It was around the same time. Right. Yeah. Christchurch has always been a hub for music. Yeah. We've had artists such as Anika Moore, uh, Lady Six, who emerged from the Christchurch scene. So it's, yeah. it's always been this really rich scene. Although there were two big earthquakes, mm -hmm. and they really did knock, I guess, the centre out of the city, quite literally. Yeah. But they stripped away the whole art scene and places yeah. to play and mm -hmm. everything. I imagine that would have had a major impact on, I guess, that real community of young people that were making music at the time. Yeah, you can notice the difference now because there's so many more gigs and opportunities and performance places. But, yeah, no, they're definitely... With things like X Factor, was one of the only opportunities that you had. It's such a different experience because you're dealing with TV. It's this whole different aspect of something that you thought was kind of sacred in its own thing, which is music. Music. And, but at the core of the show, it's entertainment. Yes. And you had to learn the difference yeah, right. very early and very quickly. Some people saw it as a game. You could see from the get-go, even with interviews, and just who they decided to interact with and how it was all being played out. You know, you're dealing with producers and not necessarily talent sometimes, but who's going to be the most entertaining and everything like that. And that's quite a hard lesson to learn when you're 15. Yeah, <laughs> you, just, Gosh, yeah. you just show up, rock up with your guitar. And there was a lot of familiar faces that I had there as well because we all kind of got in. So yeah. it, that was comforting. I can see it would be comforting, but at the same time, you're, you're competing with yeah. each other. Mm -hmm. But we were used to that because it's such a competitive scene as well. And it was in Christchurch. So How far did you get on the show? Just before the retreats. So it was top 12 girls. What was the best of the feedback and the worst of the feedback? Well, I had Stan Walker for a judge, which was cool. cool. So that yeah. that was really awesome. He was always got... very constructive with his criticism yeah. and careful with the way he'd done it. Because obviously he'd yeah. been through it, right? Yeah. He basically said that like I was a dark horse in the competition like you'd never expect it mm. but also at the same time that was to my detriment in terms of where do I place you what was the worst feedback you got probably that you're good but we don't know where to put you and that that was kind of like oh what do I do then and this is just based on you singing other people's songs right yes. you're not singing your own songs yes. so it's hard to work mm -hmm. out where you exactly. where you fit if you're doing covers yeah it actually sounds so brutal <laughs> like it, it was I mean, it was brutal what did you gain from it 
like you say, hugely just made me tougher Mm. in terms of what affected me and what didn't. But I just kept writing because I think that's what I thought was a ding moment was that's what's going to make me individual and that's what's, you know, going to do that. But at the time I was also in a band. So I hadn't quite... I was doing solo stuff, but I was also very much applied myself in the performance scene. And that's when things like Rock Quest came about. So that was also another thing that we did. Um, But I just think it's funny now because... You know, you look back on even things like Christmas in the Park and there's like 100,000 people there. And that was in the same year that I did that. Mm -hmm. And I just wasn't affected by it anymore because of the whole X Factor experience and just like being eliminated in front of all these people. And then you get off stage and there's cameras right there and they just want to see you cry. That's all they want. Entertainment. (laughs) So in some ways, like... Going back to the days of Anika Moore and Vic Runga, they would have cut their teeth actually going to clubs and bars and performing. Yeah. And learning to perform that way. Yeah. Um, and I guess gauging the interest of the audience or having people just talk all over you and do that. Whereas you came through a generation where you learned to perform and roll with the punches by having that whole reality TV yeah. television <laughs> yeah. um, formula applied to you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you must feel pretty... Um, I guess, pleased to have come out the other side of that because you've, you've had some distance now, right? You've, you've yep. gone and you've done that and you've continued to do things and you've continued to write. You're just actually making music. Yeah, yeah mm-hmm. I very much, with everything I did, tried to either just do it once or so that's things like The X Factor and Christmas in the Park and, and just move on. Mm. And in the late years of high school, it was way more for me about writing and so that's when I entered things like Play It Strange and yep. Rock Quest and whatever. Mm. Because times have changed so dramatically. I mean, even if we think about, I guess, on the on a, the live performance yeah. side of things, they really have changed. But one of the biggest changes, uh, you know, you've only been making music for a short time, but you will have seen dramatic changes in that time with the streaming platforms and whatnot. Yeah. So Spotify now being that monster of a machine where you've kind of got to hope for the best almost, get your music out there and fingers crossed that it lands in the right places mm-hmm. and it reaches the right ears. Do you feel as a young artist sort of, you know, starting out in a way, is Spotify a good thing or a bad thing? And how do you feel when you know you're making really good songs, but mm-hmm. sometimes those songs can fall through the cracks, especially if you're from a small country like New Zealand? It used to be YouTube that was the big, you know, if you were doing covers or things like that, you could like Sean Mendes and mm. um, Justin mm. Bieber. Mm. Um, yeah, and then it did move into Spotify. And when I entered the recording scene and started making my own music, it was a whole new ball game because it's like, oh, I'm actually my own artist now. And I can release a legitimate song as me mm. on Spotify. And that was exciting because mm. it therefore opens so many doors for independent artists and, and everything like that. But there also comes a game within that, with algorithms and Mm. just pure luck. And Mm. um, yeah, it was a big learning curve. I think sometimes you have to play play the game, and that can be a bit frustrating. When you say play the game, do you mean the sound you're making, the genre you're making, or you know, what, what do you mean specifically? I think it's been with producers really. 
because I've always hit, kind of had the bones of a song, but trying to make it so that it translates yeah. really well mm. on those sort of platforms. And You're competing, or you're up against the biggest artists in the world. Yeah. Like, if you release a song on the same day as Justin Bieber and Ed yeah. Sheeran, your song stacks up against those yeah. guys. And you might be lucky and make, you know, New Music Friday in Australia mm -hmm. or New Zealand, but that's the level you're competing with to, to make it onto the yeah. the US uh, New Music Friday, the UK mm -hmm. New Music Friday, and all the new other New Music Fridays around the world. Yeah. And we know they're not the be-all and end-all. It goes far beyond those initial steps, but it has to sound as good, right? Yeah. I think I was listening to an interview with Billie Eilish, and... If you know her earlier stuff, she used to make softer tunes and then she played them live and she said, I, I just forget out I need to make things with more beat because it wasn't translating with the crowd like she wanted it to. Yeah. She wanted the show to be exciting and so therefore now she's making tunes like Bad Guy and you see her performance spark arena, it just goes off. And I think in terms of that, that's playing the game as well. It's yeah. a, it is interesting, because I do think live performance has always dictated, well, it should, I think, dictate releases, because you get the yeah. chance to go and perform your songs, and you feel what the crowd responds to. Yeah. And I guess if you want to just make quite cool tunes and everyone be reflective and sit down and mm -hmm. enjoy, that's definitely a very um, viable and cool thing to do because yeah. there's so many artists that do it but if you're wanting that vibe and you're wanting you certainly go okay yeah then I need to change some stuff up here yeah well I sure. think especially with this new single that I'm going to release because I'm releasing it just singles mm. I wanted to make a different kind of statement every single time mm. and not really have one sound like another but all kind of cohesive and I think this one is the boldest statement by far mm. and it's exciting but it's also the most me a song has ever been in terms of production the yeah you know this whole sound of it and I think that's when you know it's like all coming together and surely that's what you hope for as an artist anyway when you're particularly when you're starting out is that every song you make takes another step to being where you want to go tell me about the frustrations I guess of living and working in a small country like New Zealand and also you're based in Christchurch which I'm also yeah. aware is not necessarily where all the producers are based. They're based yeah. in Auckland. I guess it's trying to touch on something that you sometimes just can't reach. When you hear people like, you know, the bigger artists come out with songs, it's like, oh, the, those opportunities aren't right there. I was really happy with Temporary Crush. I think that was cool. Mm. It's just um, finding the right people and the project and... Yeah. yeah, and the hard thing is, right, Temporary Crush is a really great song, and it's obviously co-written and produced by Josh Fountain, who is a very, very popular and successful producer in New Zealand. He's also a member of the band Leisure. He's also, you know, the guy behind lots of other artists such as Benny and Mahler and Thea and Open Side. So he's a busy, busy guy. Yeah. <laughs> so to get time with Josh is hard. Yeah. But he is one of the best producers in mm -hmm. New Zealand. Yeah. So you kind of do have to think outside the box and go, okay, what else can I do? Because you could have really great songs, mm -hmm. but you still need to work with someone to help bring them to life, right? Yeah. And you also just need people to genuinely want to work with you or genuinely yeah. like your style. And I mean, I was so excited to have Thea on board with yeah, this new yeah. track. And that really just elevated it to another level. Songwriting can be quite a lonely thing. When I yeah. say lonely, it doesn't need, need to be sort of a negative thing. It's something you can do in your bedroom, something you mm. do alone, 
but that whole pop world at the moment is definitely based on the co-writing yep. kind of structure of songwriting. You could skip through, you know, um, a big pop playlist now on Spotify and look through the credits and realise that yeah. there's like 10 people on one yep. song. So that's the big, big heavyweights of the music industry all working on an Ariana yep. Grande song. Yep. <laughs> so there's no, there's, there's no surprises those songs are yeah. the biggest songs in the world. Mm-hmm. They've got the, the best writers and the best mm-hmm. production team behind them. You know, I'm of the belief now we're in a, a, a place in New Zealand where there's so many great, great pop writers and producers. They don't necessarily have the profile that Lord has yeah, but they're working and they're working really well. And if you were to check out where they're at um, and what they're doing and whose songs they're on, there's quite a network of them. Yeah. So it's just about tapping into that. And mm-hmm. I think I think that's the exciting thing about New Zealand pop music right now. I think it's definitely oversaturated, but there is a small kind of pocket or pockets within it of cool creative teams that are doing really exciting things. Yeah. Even like you say, when you go through New Music Friday or something and you look at the song credits, Mm. that can also be disheartening because you're looking at, you know, (laughs) really, really big people, Max Martin, you know, and and Kirkpatrick on, you know, the same track and it's like, oh my gosh. But you know, absolutely. (laughs) But look, Joel Little and Lord were not known names when they they got together and wrote songs. And that's the fun and exciting thing is that it is doable. You can meet the the right creative team and it just you know flows and so yeah so the new single coming out which um will, will be the very last day of new zealand music month so you're getting in just, <laughs> yeah, before, just in there yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh so yeah co-written with thea and a really great producer based in sydney called liam quinn mm-hmm. so you're excited about that yeah i'm really excited about this step in the and i just think it's a real current song and um i think my age group will particularly like it Mm. um and I think it's just that whole sassiness of you know just a powerful kind of anthem that people can Mm. and it's not necessarily really in your face either like you can dance to it and have a jam and whatever it definitely feels like it's the time of the the sassy girl power anthem right even if it's not in your face like I think lyrically yeah there are so many moments in it if you listened it's very much me. Like mm. I'm literally talking to you <laughs> yeah, cool. in the yeah. song. Yeah. And um, even there's some um, lyrics describing what I'd wear if I went out. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, silver shining on my neck and yeah. um, dress in black boots and things like that. And I th- think that's the connection there as well. Yeah. with Totally. And authenticity is so yeah. important. Uh, We're living in this day and age where everything is guided by numbers and mm-hmm. stats and likes on Instagram. and. Oh, yeah. It's bizarre, but yeah. it is what it is. If you told me five years ago that this was how it goes, yeah. I would have been shocked. In terms of, I guess, where you're at right now and where you're going, five years ago was this where you wanted to be and what was, or what did you imagine? I think I'd be pretty proud of myself, actually. Like, I've achieved a lot of what I wanted to achieve. But yeah, I'm just a person that always just wants to keep just ticking off the small things and I've learned that that's how it does work you know unless you are lord mm. um you just have to keep on um keeping on <laughs> <laughs>